Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The List. My name is Brett, and on the other end of the tin can and string, as always, is my favorite person. It is Jordan. Jordan, how are you doing today? Well, being that we're on a bye week and there's nothing to look forward to on Sunday and coming off a loss, I think I've been a little bit better. Um, and I just got a text. I got to go off of this for a second. Um, and the text, it was a, it was a tweet from Young Slime on, on Twitter or on X. Um, and it says, Austin Jackson waiting until his fifth-year option was declined in a contract year to be good will never be, not be funny to me. And I got a nice little giggle. Um, so that cheered me up from the bye week because we do have a good right tackle. Um, but I've been better, I've been worse, but we're here to make picks. I think you're beating me, Brett. Yeah, I think we. I am just by a, just by a game or two, but... It was quite a comeback for me after a tough start. And, of course, we have the sleepy boy himself, Zach Jackson, as our producer. Hats off to him today. I think we woke him up from his nap to do this show. But he is going to love these picks. And I'm excited for these picks because for once, Jordan, for once, I can talk about Michigan and not be given crap for wanting to talk about Michigan because they're not like a 30-point favorite for once. And uh, so I, I did look at the picks you sent me, and you have both Michigan and UCF, my alma mater, on this list of picks. So um, you did pick a, a good slate of college football games. I did, and I picked you, UCF just for you. And we are, and we're going to talk more about Michigan a little later uh, in this topic as well. So um, I will, uh, we'll get into that. Funny enough. Because of everything going on in Michigan, I just got a text from my dad. He probably wants to uh, talk about that. So we'll talk. He and I are going to be talking about that for an hour after our podcast too. But uh, let's go into this first game: Michigan versus Penn State. This still does have Big Ten championship and national championship implications. Jordan, I will let you because I'm the Michigan fan. I will let you start the picks for this game first. So please, I want to hear what you think about this game. So I'm going to let you take the deeper dive into the game. And I know you love to talk about depth charts and who's going to catch passes and who's going to run the ball. Um, to me, it's very simple. Um, if this game was at night, I would be picking Penn State. Um, it is very, very tough to play um, at Penn State at night. Uh, they love doing the whiteout. They, have, they love um, doing their thing there. They're the Nittany Lions. I'm not... Is Nittany a color? Is that like a, a trait of a lion? What is, what's a Nittany? Do you know? Uh, so one of the mountains up there is Mount Nittany. So, and there are, there used to be mountain lions up there. So a Nittany lion is just a, uh, ma- a lion on Mount Nittany. Got you. Okay. So um, they, they do their whole whiteout thing there at night. But to me, the, the whiteout doesn't sit as well during the day for a noon kickoff. Um, I do think that Michigan right now uh, has a lot of distractions surrounding the team. Um, and I think that sets itself up for a little bit of a trap here. Um, I think that Penn State already played Ohio State, so they already played a very tough opponent. Um, Penn State, we've both already talked on this podcast about how we think Penn State uh, can be a national championship contender next year. I just don't know that it happens yet. Um, I think Michigan's a better team. Um, I think Michigan is on a collision course to play Ohio State in the 
uh, Big Ten title game. Um, I think Michigan wins. I think the last time I looked, they were a four and a half, five point favorite. Um, I think that Penn State covers the game. I think Michigan wins by four. Yeah. No, I'm picking Michigan as well, and I think four is a good choice. Um, and yeah, what you said about this—if it was a night game, I would—I would hate to say it, but I'd be picking Penn State too. Uh, Beaver Stadium at night, just a completely different animal. It's still going to be a tough game, but it's from at a seven thirty eight o'clock kickoff is just completely different. It's kind of like going to Kinnick Stadium in Iowa. Nighttime is just a weird game. Uh, Brett, let um, me ask you this. Uh, let me ask you this. So I'm going to give it a Dolphins analogy since we're a Dolphins podcast. Um, I think we were both on the same page that the Bills and Eagles games for the Dolphins. We picked the Dolphins for the Bills game. Um, we didn't necessarily, we didn't have a lot of confidence. And the Eagles game, you picked the Eagles, I picked the Dolphins. Um, but again, I didn't have a lot of confidence for either of those games that the Dolphins lost. The Chiefs game, in turn, I had a lot of confidence. You had a lot of confidence. We both thought the Dolphins were, were going to win by two scores. Are you looking at this Michigan-Penn State game as a Michigan fan as you're confident they're going to win a lot like Dolphins-Chiefs or you're hoping they're going to win because you're a Michigan fan? I would say I'm 60-40 confident that we will win. Um, J.J. McCarthy, I've talked about a lot. I don't think people realize how good he's playing and just to give an idea here is third down stats this year and that's where you look and see what a quarter when a quarterback's doing well uh he is 33 to, for 44 so 75 percent 545 yards 200 how college does their pass ratings a little different but he has a 209.04 passer rating 30 first down passes and four touchdowns when it's third and seven or more he's 22 for 29 379 yards his four touchdowns that just mentioned were all for third and long so three three uh, seven yards or longer 21 first down so he's a beast on third downs and roman wilson is having the best um game uh, season from a wide receiver for michigan since braylon edwards and i have hyped up uh kalen king the uh cornerback for Penn State I said when you and I did our top five mock draft I think I had him going in the top five he has really struggled this year he's gotten really handsy so he's probably fallen out of the if we when we do our next mock draft I probably have him outside of the first round and uh Penn State's other best defender Chop Robinson who was a uh, transfer from Maryland has been out since the Ohio State game uh, so that's a big loss now this is going to be a defensive battle Michigan and Penn State are the top two teams in total defense, so in terms of yards in the NCAA. Um, Michigan's also the number one scoring defense, and Penn State's the number three scoring defense. So I'm just going to give you, have you guess, how many touchdowns on the season do you think Michigan's given up? How many games have they played? They have... I believe they are at eight or nine. Let me double check. I think it's actually it might be a little less. One so I, I think I cheated because I'm pretty sure I heard a stat recently. That they hadn't given up a touchdown in the red zone. Um, I, I remember that. I might be wrong, but I remember hearing that. Um, so I'm going to guess they've given up three touchdowns. Close. They gave up six. They've actually scored four touchdowns. So they've almost scored as many touchdowns as they've given up. 
Penn State's given up thirteen. That the old hurricane stat didn't the Hurricanes defense that year um, that they were amazing. Didn't they score more touchdowns on defense uh, than they gave up? Yep. Yep. And uh, so for the season, Michigan's giving up just over six points a game. Penn State was at eight points a game until the Ohio State game and then the uh, Indiana game. So now they're up to eleven, just over 11. Well, just under 12. It's 11.89. So even with Penn State missing some players, it is going to be a tough defensive game. Drew Aller, the sophomore quarterback for Penn State, is having a better season than I expected. I've been hyping him up a lot too. But just to give an idea, how many touchdowns do you think he he's thrown for the year? Aller? Yep. Um, eight or nine games, 15. He has 20 touchdowns to one interception. Oh, wow. So he has been having a great year. Now, granted, seven of those have come in the last three weeks. Uh, you know, Drew, Drew Aller really gives me, um, and I know that people are going to, it's it's tough when you compare players to big names, um, but he gives me very similar vibes that Josh Allen gave me in college. I wouldn't go that far. I think he has that type of potential. I think he's been playing a lot safer this year. And one of the reasons I think I am picking Michigan is not just because of J.J. McCarthy. Because even if you go into the running backs, I think the uh, Penn State running backs have been better than the Michigan running backs so far this year. Uh, The difference, Penn State has no explosive ability on offense. I think for the year... They have one play over 40 yards, something like five or six over 30, and like five over 20. They have no, like, they have no explosive playability. Michigan has Roman Wilson, who's a 4 2 guy. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards are both big play guys. And Edwards, he's had a rough year running, but he does add to the pass game. He, one of the first plays last weekend against Purdue, lined out wide one of the first plays of the game, 40-yard pass uh, reception. Um, and then you have Colston Loveland, who, if we don't draft a tight end this year, in 2025, he's a guy that I'll be banging the table for. Going to be the best tight end in the country once uh, Bowers is gone. So Michigan just has more weapons. Now, where it's going to be interesting is while Michigan's defense has been good, their secondary really hasn't been tested. I do think Will Johnson... Mikey Sanders still, Macari Page, and Rod Moore are all NFL players. But the defensive line has been so good for Michigan, the secondary has barely been tested. They don't even throw at Will Johnson half the time. So we don't know what they have. And while I do question Penn State's wide receivers, this is also going to be the best offensive line Michigan's defensive line has faced. Olufashano, as we've said, probably a top five pick, maybe top three. So that'll be an interesting matchup. And both teams have shown that they are susceptible at times to the running game. Michigan wants to get upfield, get to the pat, get to the uh, quarterback. Penn State has Manny Diaz is their defensive coordinator. Most of our uh, listeners who are oh, Kings fans will remember him. And he likes to do the same thing. But um I think what it comes down to, much like with the Ohio State game, Penn State's just a year away. This Michigan team is probably the deepest and the most talented I've seen in years. I think it's going to be a close game, home field advantage. It's going to be big. But Michigan just, I think, has 
a little bit more experienced than Penn State does in these situations. And the one time Penn State had that experience, Ohio State, the defense stepped up, but the offense couldn't get anything going. And Michigan has a much better defense. Yeah, I, I think Michigan's going to win the game. I think that's – I'd be pretty shocked if Penn State wins the game. You know, it's funny. I'm a Michigan fan. My roommate's a Penn State fan. We have an agreement. We're going to shake hands before the game. We're going to go in different rooms, watch the game. When the game's done, we're not even going to talk about it. I think so. that's a smart thing to do. Yep. It's been the rule. I think we might do a bet and see loser buys the winner around, at the, around that night. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. So we go from one supposed rivalry. Penn State thinks that's a rivalry. Michigan fans don't really consider Penn State a rival. To what actually is a rival. And it's to some of our Discord buddies. Um, and I don't feel bullied into putting this game in. It is Miami at Florida State. Now, it is a 14-point spread. Florida State's looked good all season, aside from the Boston College game. Miami has no idea what's going on at quarterback. Don't know what's going on with TVD. He looks like he should be benched. He looks horrible. He looks bad, and he's looked bad for a while. And it, at this point, it's just stubbornness from Cristobal to keep him in the game. Jordan, I don't know. I don't have any reason for thinking this. I have no rational reason for this other than a feeling, other than making people in our Discord happy. But I'm going to go with the upset, and I think the Hurricanes are going to win. Oh, wow. Um, I, I don't think the Hurricanes are going to win. Um, I am and always have been, um, a big fan of the Levitard show. I'm 31. Um, and I've been listening to the show since I was probably consistently multiple times a week, if not daily, um, since I was 14, 15 years old, um, going it, my, my very first car when I was 16, a Mitsubishi Gallant, I would drive and put on the show on uh, AM radio. Um, and Mike Ryan, I've, I've listened to him talk about the Canes for 16 years now. And I've never heard him mention the Miami-Florida State game less than he has this year. I think Florida State is the real deal. Um, I think Florida State right now is on a collision course to the uh, playoffs. Um, I think Florida State right now knows that if they win out, they're going to get in. Um, the last couple weeks, I mean, you you go back, they won at Clemson 31-24. Um, they beat Virginia Tech by 22, Syracuse by 38, Duke by 18, Wake Forest by 15, and Pitt by 17. Um, I think the Miami game looks very, very similar. Um, I'm trying to stall really quickly here so I can find what the point spread is. Um, so if you give me a second, it looks like the Seminoles are 14, uh, 14 point favorites. Um, I think it's going to be somewhere around there. Um, I could see the Seminoles winning um, by two, by three scores. I can't see it really being closer. Um, I think that this is going to be an off season. Uh, where there's a lot of pressure on Cristobal. Um, I don't necessarily even see them beating Louisville at home. Um, and winning at Boston College isn't as easy as people think. Uh, I think there's a legitimate chance that the Hurricanes finish the season 6-6. Six and six. Um, I know my friends that are Hurricane fans aren't going to like that. Um, I think there's a, a chance they finish 6-6. Six and six. Um, And I think it starts with them getting blown out here in Tallahassee. 
Yeah, no. I just have a feeling. I just there's always that weird game late in the season. And I just have a feeling the hurt like everything just feels so wrong for the Hurricanes. This is the game for them. So I just have a feeling they're gonna going to put it together. But uh on to the next game, which as you said earlier, your alma mater. I have uh, the Oklahoma Oklahoma State versus UCF. Uh the Cowboys had their national championship last week and the fine which I didn't realize because didn't put two and two together with Oklahoma leaving the Big Twelve, but Last week was the final edition, uh, edition of Bedlam, at least for now. Um, and this is a three-point spread. Um, that being said, Jordan, when Oklahoma State is supposed to win games and whenever they've been good, whenever they've controlled their own destiny for any type of championship, they choke. And I think this weekend they are going to choke – uh, not only that, but UCF is fighting not only for bowl eligibility, but probably for Gus Malzahn's job. So you might be mad that this game might help Gus keep his job. But I like what they showed against Oklahoma. I think they're going to come up, come out strong, strong against an Oklahoma State team that is honestly probably worn out after last week. They put everything in to, to Bedlam. And I think UCF wins this by seven points. So... Interestingly enough, I don't think necessarily that Gus is fighting for his job. Um, Gus Malzahn actually signed an extension over the offseason. Um, if we were going under Gus's previous job, uh, Gus Malzahn would be owed $3.6 million in a buyout. Um, currently, right now, if UCF was to fire Gus Malzahn, uh, they'd owe him $18 million. Um, I don't think that... UCF is going to do that. Um, unfortunately, I would love to see us bring back Scott Frost. I would like to see us bring in G.J. Kinney. Um, I think there are a lot of other guys that can really bring back um, where this UCF program was. Um, even Coach uh, Travis Williams, who's now the defensive coordinator at Arkansas, um, would be another great candidate. Um, I don't think that Malzahn's fighting for his job. Um, at the same time, I think these players have pride to play for, but it, but I could see a number of them leaving. I think there's still going to be some really big turnover at UCF over the next couple of years um, from a player standpoint. I, I still, at this moment while I'm talking, I'm not 100% sure uh, who I'm going to pick at the end of this. Um, I don't think that UCF can stop the run, period. Um, I think Ollie, Ollie Gordon um, is going to run all over UCF. Um, I was very confident that UCF was going to beat Baylor. I was very confident that UCF was going to beat West Virginia. Um, the Baylor game obviously had the horrible comeback. Uh, the West Virginia game, West Virginia ran all over UCF. I mean, that game, um, I'm sure, Brett, you didn't watch the game, um, but West Virginia ran for 286 yards just simply on the ground um, against UCF. Ollie Gordon has started to sneak his way into the back of Heisman talks. So uh, I think they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, I'm going to pick UCF um, because I'm a UCF fan. Um, I believe in UCF. Um, the line seems like a little bit of a trap for Oklahoma State. Um, so UCF has that going for it. Um, but... I've bet on UCF 
if this tells the people where I stand, I've bet on UCF pretty much every week for a very long, long, long time now. Um, I gave my age earlier, and I've been betting on them since college. Um, I won't be betting on UCF this week. Um, I'll pick them for our pick them for fun because if my friends see my name next to an Oklahoma State logo, I'll get bullied. Um, and I'm going to root like hell for UCF. I'm going to wear my UCF shirt wherever I go on Saturday. Um, but please do not take my advice as putting money on them. Uh, I think Oklahoma State is going to run all over UCF. And UCF is going to have to score a lot of points. Um, I guess for the sake of my predictions, they will. Um, I think UCF wins the game 48-45. Pick with the heart. And along with your heart, we're going to who I am considering Jordan's second favorite college team, at least this year, is we are going to go to the Tennessee Volunteers versus the Missouri Tigers. Missouri's been your team all season, it seems like, Jordan. Um, They've had a good season out of their quarterback, Brady Cook, continues to impress. He impressed me last week against Georgia, uh, although things kind of fell, bottled out at the end of that game. But he has 16 touchdowns, five interceptions in a year. Of course, they go as Cody Schrader will carry him. He is at 919 yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, Tennessee, for anybody who knows, I'm not a big fan of Joe Milton. He's a look like Tarzan, plays like Jane kind of character, kind of player. Looks the part, has the strong arm, can make all the big throws, but he will miss the easiest one. He has 15 touchdowns, four interceptions, but don't be fooled by those numbers. The team is carried by their running backs, Dylan Sampson, Jabari Small, and Jalen Wright. Uh, Wide receivers, they do have Ramil Keaton with four touchdowns, but their leading receiver, and I just had to say the name, is Squirrel White, who has 556 yards on 45 receptions, two touchdowns. Uh, Technically, it's technically this could happen, but it's highly improbable and unlikely that Missouri and Tennessee both could be playing for the SEC East uh, crown to play in the SEC championship game. Now, granted, they would need to have Georgia lose two games at least, if not three, which um, is mediocre as Georgia's looked at time. I don't see happening with the rest of their schedule before the title game. So this is basically playing for second place. Uh, just from seeing Joe Milton play for so much, seeing and just being disappointed because I had such high hopes for him at Michigan, I just find it hard for me to pick for him. So I am picking Missouri. Well, Missouri's going to win this game. Um, I'm just as confident in this as I was with them playing at Kentucky, uh, with them playing South Carolina. I had them as my pick, um, with them when I had them against Memphis, when I had them against Kansas state, um, I had them against LSU. It proved me wrong. I didn't touch them last week. Um, but I love Missouri this week. Um, I think they have a really good opportunity to finish the regular season with 10 wins, um, if they win this week, they're going to beat the Gators next week, um, and they have a really good shot to win at Arkansas. Um, a 10-win season would be unbelievable for Missouri. Uh, th- this team has so many playmakers. Uh, their defense is underrated. Um, I think they beat Tennessee. I the, the line's won. I think they beat Tennessee by two scores. Yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily think this game's going to be close. Uh, so just to uh, give a recap, we agreed on Michigan beating Penn State. I picked the Canes to beat Florida State. You picked Florida State. We agreed on UCF. We agreed on Missouri. Now we're going to the wild card. 
There are some interesting games. I decided to be the Big Ten sicko and go with Rutgers at Iowa because it is a one-point game uh, or spread. I will not be watching this game. Uh, anybody who willingly watches that Iowa offense uh, is committing crimes against humanity. Or has a gambling problem. Or has a gambling problem. Um, Kirk Ferenz has actually gotten to the point where his son, Brian Ferenz, who's the offensive coordinator, has actually announced that he is going to leave after this year. Uh, it's been that bad. They have Iowa has lost both of their tight ends for the season, or at least Eric All for part of it, and then uh, Lachey, the other tight end, is currently hurt as well. I don't know if that's a season-ending injury or not, but he is out. Um, Cade McNamara, Michigan transfer, out for the year with the torn ACL. So they've kind of been doing quarterback by committee, and it hasn't been pretty. They, again, are relying heavily on their run game, on defense, and special teams. Rutgers has become bowl eligible. Gavin Wimsett has looked okay as a quarterback. There are some bright moments, but he only, he has eight touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, he's completing under 50% of his passes. Um, and they are, again, relying on the run game. Uh, Wimsett has seven touchdowns. Kyle... Man Manangi has seven as well. So, and anybody who knows anything about Greg Schiano coach teams, it's basically the same thing. It is defense and special teams. So it's basically two teams that are the same playing against each other, but surprisingly Rutgers is, has the better offense. I think Iowa's just has a better t defense than Rutgers does. I think they're more likely to make whims that make a mistake. Iowa, surprisingly enough controls their own destiny to get to the big 10 championship game. They are seven and two, four and two in the conference, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Minnesota are all three and three, but five and four overall. So Rutgers winning would make things a little interesting, interesting, but the big 10 West is playing to lose to Ohio state, Michigan or Penn state. If we're being honest, um, I do think Iowa wins, especially because it's in Kinnick stadium. But this is going to be an ugly game, and not in terms of score, just in terms of what it's like to watch them play. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, for my wild card pick, um, so this year, as you've said already, uh, Missouri has been the team um, that I've loved all year. Um, but I think, as you know about me, as the people have probably figured out about me, uh, Missouri wasn't my first love. Um, every year there's a team um, that I love, that I follow throughout the year, um, that I place a wager or two on, a team I win probably the most money I'll win that year on, um, just because I love the way that team plays. Um, this year it's happy to be Missouri. Uh, last year that team was the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, now this year Kansas Jayhawks are ranked 16th in the country. They're 7-2. and two, um, And they're playing at home against four and five Texas Tech. Now, you have seven and two Kansas at home against four and five Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas beat Oklahoma last week. Kansas is playing very good football. Brett, what would you think the line on that game should be? Um, having seen Kansas play and seeing Texas Tech, 
I would say the line should be something like 17 points, probably. Kansas is a three and a half point favorite right now. Hmm. Three and a that, half points. And that's disrespect. Me, I don't know if you remember, there was an old Burger King commercial where a guy was standing up doing a spelling bee. And he said this was a travesty, a sham, and a mockery. And he called it a Travis sham mockery. I do remember that, that line. That three and a half point line is a Travis sham mockery. That is a horrible line. Um, I think Kansas wins that game by a couple scores. The Kansas offense, watching that offense is very fun for me. They have two good tight ends that are both very good football players. They're both good mm-hmm. blockers. They're both physical. Um, they both can catch passes. Um, Mason Fairchild, um, and I'm looking here, Jared Casey is the other one. Um, Mason Fairchild's listed at 6'4", uh, Jared Casey, he plays more of an H-back role. Um, he's listed at six foot two fifty five. Both of them are awesome as tight ends. They're both guys I would love to see on the Dolphins in the next year or two. Um, their receivers make plays. Their receivers get open downfield. They have two running backs, Hyshaw um, and Devin Neal, um, both of whom are could be starting running backs in most teams. Um, right now, Neal has 828 yards and nine touchdowns. Aishaw has 517 yards and eight touchdowns. They both average about six yards a carry. Um, Kansas has two quarterbacks. Uh, the other, J- well, it's Jalen Daniels as opposed to Jaden Daniels. Um, and they also have Jason Bean. Jason Bean stepped in as a backup multiple times over the last two years. People keep calling him a backup when they make these lines. Dude has 61% completions, 10 touchdowns, four picks, um, plus a rushing touchdown. Um, He makes a ton of plays. Last year, he was good too. Um, Last year, he had 64% completions, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's a sixth-year player. He played three years at North Texas and is now at Kansas. Um, I think whether Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels starts – Kansas has more than enough to win this game. Kansas uh, wins the game over Texas Tech by multiple scores. And every time we talk about Kansas, I'll keep saying this. Um, Lance Leopold made a powerhouse at Wisconsin Whitewater, turned Buffalo into a legit school in the MAC, and then he took a Kansas team that was racked with scandals allegations i believe it was escorts from less miles didn't they not win a conference game for like years yeah they were a mess they were probably the worst power five team in the country for a long time and leopold has turned them into a title contender in the big 12 so honestly any school and i'll keep saying this he's the one guy that if you are a Big school, and you need someone to turn turn around. He's the first name I would call. I agree. Yep. And uh, real quick, go go to the next topic because I mentioned Brian Ferentz and that from that putrid uh, Iowa offense leaving at the end of the year this week. USC fired their defensive coordinator Alex Grinch, and uh, as we learned this year, uh, Jordan USC did not play any defense. So the question I've been seeing all over college football Reddit and forums is. 
who would win a matchup, a Brian Ferentz offense or an Alex Grinch defense? Uh, an Alex, Alex Grinch defense, and it wouldn't be very close. Fair enough. And um, it I did get him. The Iowa offense is, is – they should be ashamed of themselves that they've let that go on as long as they have. Yeah, you are not wrong there. And what's funny, and I always laugh about this, is their original choice to, re- to replace Ferentz last year was Josh Gaddis, who I don't know how he keeps getting chances. But also, this has got to be his last big chance. Yeah. Uh, and also, before we continue, shout out to Mr. S, who for his picks this week went four and two. Two solid weeks after starting 0 and 6, his first week of picks at uh, listpodcast.com. But did he, did he PM you and ask you to say that? He did. Okay. Just making sure. He also asked, was there any need to mention him going 0 and 6? Yes, there was. That is always going to get mentioned. Just so you know. He was the uh, one that told us to mention that he went 0-6. Yeah, true. It is true. And he is getting mad that we're still mentioning it. But uh, Mr. S, you are, you are a silly man, Mr. S. I love you very much, but you're a silly man. And he's saying, stop one saying One of a it. kind. He one is of one of a kind. Now, we're going back to my Michigan Wolverines, because like we talked about a couple weeks ago on the list. Michigan is dealing with an investigation right now. Jordan, I don't know how close you've been following it, but in the last couple of days, it's gotten, it's taken some interesting turns. So just to give everybody another rundown, if you watch, if you listen to ESPN, or if that's where you get most of your news from and Pete Thamel, you would think the issue is Michigan is stealing signs. Jordan, as you and I talked about, stealing signs is not illegal. The issue that's being investigated is Kurt Stallions, who is a low-level analyst at Michigan, was allegedly buying tickets for games for teams that were on Michigan's schedule, having people go to the games and film on iPhones so that he could try and decode. Yeah, and so he could decode the signs. Well, there was a lot of outweighs. People were talking about player safety. It was very much painting Michigan out to be the bad guys. Uh, the new Big Ten commissioner, it's his first year, Tom Petiti, is facing pressure from Big Ten, other Big Ten teams to punish Michigan. What did you just say his name was? Uh, Tom Petiti. Petiti? Yeah, let me double check that since you give me a lot of crap for no, making I'm asking because I think Petiti is a funny name. Yeah, it's Petiti. Yeah, P-E. T-I-T-T-I, but supposedly, unanimously, the Big Ten coaches are like, you got to punish Harbaugh. Big, so NCAA investigation is still going on, but the Big Ten can punish Harbaugh and Michigan separately under their sportsmanship clause. So last Friday, Petiti came to Michigan and met with the athletic director, Ward Manuel, and Michigan's president, Santa Ono. And he asked Michigan to suspend Harbaugh two games. Michigan basically told him to pound sand. Um, the president actually wrote a letter to him basically saying, yes, you can do this under the guideline, during, under the bylaws, but also under the bylaws, you need to do an investigation. You have not told us you're doing an investigation, and it's only fair and proper to let the investigation play out. Same day that came out, 
Kurt Stallions resigned as Michigan from Michigan, and he says Mich- Jim Harbaugh and the coaches didn't know anything about this. This is where it gets interesting, Jordan. Michigan flat out told the Big Ten they had that if they did not let due process play out, that they were going to take legal actions. And it's come out today they have, if legal, if Big Ten tries to punish Jim Harbaugh, Michigan is using the law firm Williams and Connolly, which does Supreme Court litigation cases. This is a big time law firm, so you can tell they're not kidding. And when Harbaugh bought a burger for a recruit, Michigan willingly did the three-game suspension to make it go away. Well, so again, it's like, okay, it's just going to become a he said, she said. A former assistant at a Big Ten school came out this week and gave proof to the AP that they also gave to Michigan that they were hired by Big Ten schools to go film Michigan games and decode Michigan's signals and signs. And that information is actually on Twitter. You can go look it up. You can see what they decoded. Michigan has released this information. Michigan has also released information that Ohio State, Rutgers, and Purdue, and maybe a couple other schools in the Big Ten, all colluded together to use this information and give it to Purdue before the Big Ten championship game. Now, the response from most fans are that information was obtained legally because Rutgers, Ohio State, and Purdue did not get it from being in person. This unanimous assistant has said, no, I was paid by my school to go and film stuff. Okay. Now, Michigan's point so far seems to be they had our signs and we beat them. So sign stealing isn't that big of a deal. Of course, the other point is there's a gray area because Kurt Stallions was an analyst. He wasn't an assistant. So technically, he's not a coach. But also, he didn't go to the games himself. This person was an assistant. And of course, it's now coming out that this that his information was discovered by a private investigator that has connections, allegedly, to the brothers of one Ryan Day. Oh, no. Now, NCA has come out and they've said there's no known connections. What they're saying is... People have done Google search. Again, you can go on Twitter. Everybody maps it out. The connection is there. What they're saying is there's no connection that Ryan Day made this happen or had this happen. Could you imagine if that was somebody connected to Harbaugh? Oh, yeah. Basically, what we're saying right now and what we're seeing right now is the Big Ten is, if you look at a graph, the Big Ten's going on the fuck around course. And they're about to hit the find out. Michigan apparently has a lot more dirt 
that they are willing to leak. What makes it more interesting is ESPN was running, Pete Thamel of ESPN was running with the story, doing a smear, smear cane against Michigan. He's gone stone cold silence on this. The rumors out there, and you can again, go Twitter, you can see it. Apparently ESPN isn't too happy that he was running this smear campaign without all, all the evidence. Because this uh, staffer that gave the information to the AP and to Michigan originally gave the information to Pete Thamel to publish the same time he published the initial story. And he didn't do it. Oh, no. He sat on it. And another thing, Big Ten is trying to punish Jim Harbaugh, or they want to punish him. The NCAA has just said they have no, so far they have no reason to believe that Jim Harbaugh was connected at all to the science dealing issue. So technically, there's nothing he wasn't. to say. Yeah, they're saying he wasn't. There's no need to suspend him. So basically, oh, and now it's coming out that, you know, I said earlier, it was unanimous that all the Big Ten uh, athletic directors and coaches wanted Harbaugh fired. Yep. Next, last 24 hours, it's come out that there's a couple who are like, well, we need to wait for more evidence to come out. Because you they have, have a, to fire all their coaches. Yeah. Well, the other thing is Michigan has made it very clear. And this could happen in the next 24 hours, just so everybody knows. Absolutely could. If the Big Ten tries to suspend Jim Harbaugh, Michigan is getting an injunct injunction, and they have made it very clear they are going to sue the Big Ten if they I go ahead. I hope they do that. Yep, they've already said it. And even funnier now is... People in the Big Ten office are telling the new commissioner, new president, whatever he is, it's probably best to just sit back and let the let the NCA finish their investigation. Don't get involved. Don't don't suspend Harbaugh. Because the one thing no one likes to hear is legal action. Because Michigan has deeper pockets than Almost at any other school. Michigan is one of the only schools, athletic departments in the country that are running in the black. They make their own money. They're in complete, their funding is completely separate from the school. They even give the school their funding. So Michigan has the money. <clears throat> A lot of these schools don't. Former Big 12 commissioner came out today and said, if this happened in the offseason, you wouldn't hear anything about it. The only reason people are making big deals is because of the playoffs right now. There's a lot of pearl clutching going on. So, do I think Michigan will get some kind of suspension? It'll be a slap on the wrist, I think. Was a rule broken by a staffer? Yes. Did Harbaugh know? Who knows? But if you go under the belief that if something happens under your from your staff, you should know about it, then yes, get a slap on the wrist. But it's the equivalent of doing 65 and a 50 in terms of a speeding ticket. It's not a big deal. All these other schools are doing it. They asked Greg Shiano, Rutgers coach, about this. He got defensive and said he has no under he doesn't understand why why he has to ask answer questions about this. So because everybody does it. Everybody does it. People are trying to rely on the mob mentality. There's a theory going on around, and I don't necessarily believe this, but a theory going around is the private investigator firm 
was hired to dig up dirt on Michigan. They find out that Michigan doesn't really have that much dirt on them. So they found something and they ran a smear campaign. And they they did run a smear campaign. Who's been reporting all the negative stuff and being outraged about it? ESPN. Big Ten left ESPN this year. They're with Fox, NBC, and CBS right now. Paul Feinbaum called the Michigan president a sycophant for sticking up for Jim Harbaugh. And no, Mr. S, and to Jordan too, Harbaugh is not going to the NFL. I think he is. I, I think that this is, uh, if the if the Bears job opens up, especially if the Bears job opens up, um, and I think there's a chance that the Raiders offer him the job. I think that he might be over this, um, especially especially if Michigan wins a national championship. If Michigan national wins championship, a national championship, I'd, be, I'd almost guarantee. Um, but I agree with what Mr. S is saying to us. I, I think he's had enough. I think that this is an opportunity, especially because of the jobs that are going to be open. Uh, the Raiders job he has a connection to. The Bears job he's, uh, he's already said is his dream job. Um, so I could I could see him doing that, especially if the Bears have the number one and two or three pick. Yeah, we'll see. I don't necessarily see him going, um, but it's possible. The extension's back on the table. He's probably going to sign an extension within the next couple of weeks with Michigan. But based off everything I told you, Jordan, I think you might agree with me. This whole thing is just stupid, and the fact it's become a giant story. It just feels like teams panicking because Michigan the last couple years has been beating everybody's ass, at least in the Big Ten. That's true. And that was a question from one of the people in our Discord, and I did feel like with all this news breaking the last couple of days and how it's gone from mob mentality to more people saying, "Well, we're going to we're going to step back and let it play out." I think I think that's interesting, and I thought it was worth talking about. But uh, now on to our NFL picks and. It's weird we're not going to be talking about the Dolphins, but we are going to start with another uh, six-win team, and that is Jacksonville against San Francisco. Jordan, I don't know what to think of the Jaguars. It still feels like their offense isn't outside of ETN. doesn't feel like it's really performing at the level that people expect it. They're relying a lot on the defense. It's very much forced mistakes and wait for our offense to not make a mistake. Niners have been on a bit of a slide, but I think their their issue has been more health-related, although I do think people are going to start questioning the upside of having Brock Purdy. I'm going to pick the Niners, though, just because I think they are a better team than Jacksonville. I think that the Jaguars are for real. Um, I, think the, I think the 49ers are going to get themselves out of their slide, but I don't think it's going to be yet. Um, I think that the 49ers still have um, a little bit of figuring out to do. Um, I think they're going to the next couple of weeks against the Bucks and the Seahawks. Uh, I think they win both of those games. Um, and they have the Cardinals later in the year. They have the Commanders late in the year. They have the Rams late in the year. Um, that game at Jacksonville, the game at Philly, um, and the game against the Ravens, I think are going to be very, very tough games for San Francisco. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Jacksonville. Um, I think their weapons are what, they're one of the few teams that have better weapons than Jacksonville. Um, but I think the Jaguars win the game. All righty. Now on to uh, an interesting game, in my opinion. The Houston Texans versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, was very impressed with the hire of D'Amico Ryans. Didn't think the Texans would 
make a good hire after firing coaches, uh, one first year coaches two years in a row. Miko was a great hire. CJ Stroud was a great pick. He is doing much better than I think even his the most optimistic person would have predicted. He is probably the runaway rookie of the year, at least for offense. Bengals look like they're back. Um, Joe Burrow looks healthy. Defense has been playing at a very high level. I'm pretty sure you've mentioned this guy in a couple of your articles, but Louie Anarumo, former Dolphins defensive back coach, defensive coordinator for the Bengals, absolutely de- deserves to be a head coach in the NFL. Every time I look at the Bengals, I'm like, how is this team? Like, not that they don't have talent on defense, but I just don't understand how the talent fits together and what scheme they're trying to run. But he makes it work, keeps keeps uh, developing corners and safeties. Texans are surprising. They're not ready for the Bengals yet. I'm picking Cincy. Yeah, I'm picking Cincy. You said all the great things about Houston. I think D'Amico Ryans was an unbelievable hire. Um, I think that um, C.J. Stroud was obviously the right pick. I think they're going to be a great duo, duo for a while. Um, I do think that the Houston Texans can win this game because they do have the better coach. Um, however, I think Joe Burrow is rolling right now. Um, I think Cincinnati wins this game. Also, since we're talking about Houston, shout out to another. We're just going to make it a whole Michigan episode, but shout out to Nico Collins, who's having a great second year in the NFL. So uh, had to do that, too. I guess it's his third year, but he's having a breakout year. So shout out to him. Um and also to your boy Tank Dell. I know you like him a lot as a wide receiver too, don't you? I, I do like Tank Dell a lot. Yep. Now, New Orleans Saints versus the Minnesota Vikings. Again, this is one of those things where I'm like, what are these two teams? Saints had a bit of an offensive explosion. I think that may have been an anomaly recently. Uh, if they're still trying to figure out exactly who they are. Don't like the pieces on offense, but that defense is playing out of their mind. Vikings, of course, Kirk Cousins got hurt. They traded for Josh Dobbs. Dobbs got forced into action last week with Jaron Hall getting hurt. Dobbs didn't look bad. I still don't like relying on Dobbs long-term, and we are talking about this for the rest of the year. He is the Vikings starter, and I don't like where that's going. They They do seem to be getting things together. They still don't have the corners for Brian Flores' defense. Do still tend to get burned a bit. And Harrison Smith is at safeties in his late th- – I think he's 35 now. He was drafted the same year Ryan Tannehill was and who just got benched. So the fact that they're still relying him at safety is a bit concerning. I'm picking the Saints just because I trust Derek Carr more than Dobbs. You don't trust? The pass, Pat, was it the pastronaut? Yeah, nope, I don't. Have you heard that? Have you heard I that did. nickname yet? I did. Pastronaut, I think that's great. Um, I think that um, Vikings are a, a very interesting team um, because they're right there on the edge of the playoff race. Um, when they get Justin Jefferson back, um, they have pieces that can win games. Um, I don't think a lot of people saw them beating Atlanta last week. I definitely didn't. Um, then again, we thought they were starting Jaron Hall. Um, but the, to me, um, the Saints having a full game up on everybody in their division um, and, the Cal- and the Vikings who are fighting to get back in with the Lions, um, I think the Vikings have more to play for here. Um, to me, motivation is a huge factor in the NFL. 
Um, I think with an extra week of practice, Dobbs will be a little more prepared. Um, I think I think the Vikings win this game. And you mentioned the Lions. Funny enough, that is the next game on the slate. The Detroit Lions versus the L.A. Chargers. Um, well, let me stop the- you there, Brett, because we're, we're, we're talking about the Vikings. I'm going to let you get back to the Lions. But if the Vikings win this game, they play the Broncos, the Bears, and the Raiders the next three weeks. Josh Dobbs could get himself on a little bit of run here. And if Josh Dobbs gets this team to seven, eight, nine wins – He's going to be a backup quarterback in this league for a long time. He is, and I never, I never thought of him as a good backup quarterback. Now, out of nowhere, he's the guy everybody wants on their team. When did this happen? Crazy how that works, huh? Yeah, a couple years ago it was uh, Case Keenum, then it was Trevor Simeon. Before that, Josh Dobbs. Now. But yeah, anyway, Lions Chargers. Jordan, I watched the Chargers on Monday. They won. I was not impressed. And I'm not, I'm sure you saw I tweeted this out on the Twitter. But Colin Cowherd was saying somehow that game proved what a stud Justin Herbert was. Makes sense of that. I think Jordan was stunned into silence. I was stunned into silence. I was. I, I just had nothing to respond. Yeah. I don't understand that. As a Dolphins fan, funny enough, I am kind of rooting for the Chargers because if they win, that means the Dolphins are no longer 0-3 against teams with a winning record. We will be 1-3. Well, they they don't their- have a losing record right now. True, they, but they don't have a winning record. They're 500. They are 500, but that is not a winning record. So the Dolphins side of me kind of wants the Chargers to win. and. It worked. I see Mr. S talking. It's exactly how I want it to work. Everybody can manipulate the stats however they want. So that's what I'm saying is it changes the stats. Um, so while I may want the Chargers to win, I don't think they will. Um, one of the common themes, if you listen to the list, is that we think Brandon Staley is an idiot. And he's done nothing to change that. Dan Campbell. He is an great. idiot. He is an idiot. And Dan Campbell's a great coach, despite the fact that everybody made fun of him. Ben Johnson, another guy, deserves to be an offensive or a head coach. He's offensive coordinator now, another former Dolphins assistant, expecting he will be the guy that most teams look at, especially if they want an offensive coach. But I'm picking Detroit just because I don't care who the Chargers have. The Lions are just a better team. It's not often in our lifetimes we can say that. It's not often in our parents' lifetimes we can say that. Maybe even our grandparents' lifetime we can say that. But the Lions are truly one of the NFC elite this year. And Dan Campbell is just a better coach than Brandon Staley. So I'm going with the Lions. So I do agree with you. Dan Campbell's a better coach. Um, the Lions are probably in in a... Um, by a dome type scope, uh, the better team. Um, but I really liked what I saw from the Chargers on Monday night. Um, I think Monday night was the first time that I saw a Chargers team that was very motiva- motivated. Um, it was the first time that I've seen a Chargers team hitting really hard. Um, it was the first time that I saw a Chargers team that seemed dialed in. First time I saw a Chargers team that was going to put somebody away. Um, if if you look at uh, what the Lions have coming up, their next, I mean, 
this is the the rest of the season for the Lions. After the Chargers, they play the Bears, the Packers, the Saints, the Bears, the Broncos, the Vikings, the Cowboys, the, the Vikings. So they play the Vikings twice. They play the Bears twice. They play the Packers, Saints, Broncos, Cowboys. They might lose one of those games. Mm-hmm. They might lose one. They might legitimately finish this season with two, three, four losses. Um, the Chargers, if you look ahead, um, I believe, yeah, they play the Ravens. They play the Bills. They play the Chiefs coming up. I think this game matters more to the Chargers. And I think we're starting to see them turn a corner. I'm going to pick the Chargers to win this game. I'm not overly confident, but I just think from a way the, the script lines up the rest of the year, um, I think the Chargers make more sense. Um, and I think that this is a game that people say, oh, Herbert's back, this and that. Um, they'll beat the Lions this week. They'll beat the Packers next week. Um, and that'll set up for a great game uh, on what I believe is Sunday night football between the Chargers and the Ravens. Now, for the first time in a couple of weeks, we are actually talking, going to be predicting an AFC East team as Broncos take on the Bills. Uh, the Bills have not been good the last month. We mentioned on, Mon- on Monday's show that for the last month, they have been over-relying on Josh Allen, the only player to not be, a- the only touchdown they've scored to not be Josh Allen in the last month was James Cook on October 1st. So it's been a while, and you can't win like that consistently. And after looking pretty bad to start the year, the Broncos have kind of figured it out. Uh, I do think that the Bills win this game. I think it's going to be close. I I am very shocked, I will admit, that the Broncos have turned it around. It looked like Vance Joseph was on his way to getting fired midseason, and he's really got that defense playing better. Uh, it's not not a coincidence that that involves Justin Simmons getting healthy and getting rid of two guys who are known as locker room malcontents in Randy Gregory and Frank Clark. So I don't think there's any coincidence in that. I am kind of shocked they did not get rid of anybody like Jerry Judy at the trade deadline to kind of re- recoup assets. But I'm a little bit more optimistic on the Broncos' future going forward. The offense still isn't great in the second half. So that is something they have to work on. I do think they are going to do everything they can to get out of Russ's deal as quickly as possible. But credit to them, they have shown the heart I didn't think they had. But I just think Buffalo is the better team. So I'm going with Buffalo. Yeah, I think that um, I definitely thought that the Broncos had a little more in them um, than what we saw early in the year, and they've shown that. Um, I think the Broncos are going to keep this game close. Um, but I think the Bills, this is one of those get-right games that the Broncos keep seeming uh, to run themselves into. Um, I think the Bills win by three or four scores. I don't know if the Bills can necessarily um, get to a point where they win the division, um, but I do think they're better than what we've seen the last couple of weeks. So um, the the Bills are going to win by two or three scores. Yep. And uh, to run it down real quick, I picked the Niners, you picked the Jags, we both picked the Bengals. I picked the Saints, you picked the Vikings. I picked the Lions, you picked the Chargers. We both picked the Bills. So pretty even in the picks for that. But the Bills are a nice segue because one of the things I wanted to talk about is potential teams that are looked at as playoff teams that could fall out of the race. The Bills technically right now are out of the playoffs. But you talked about in the past 
how the Bills, the rest of their season, the rest of their schedule is not easy. So are the Bills one of these playoff contenders that you think will fall out of the race as the season goes on? Or do you think someone else will do that? So it's hard to say that a team like the Bills are going to fall out just because of how much talent they have. They have a lot of injuries on defense, and they also have a very, very tough schedule upcoming. Um, So it's very easy to see um, the Bills kind of falling out of this thing. Yeah, they play the Broncos this week. They play the Jets next week, who they already lost to. Um, And the Jets are – but I think they win that game. So let's say they get through the next two games. And they're seven and four. You think they win it at the Eagles? I don't think they beat the Eagles. No. You think they win at the Chiefs? No. You think they win against the Cowboys? I do. So they're eight and seven or eight and six. Do you think they win at the Chargers? That's a tough one. But I will give them the advantage because that's just so. How low I'm so they're at nine and six. They'll beat the Patriots ten and six going. In, so let's say they lose to us week eighteen. They're ten and seven, um, somewhere in that range. Um, is ten and seven good enough? Probably, um, but they're going to be right there. Um, you said a team that you think is likely to implode, um, and a team that you think is likely to make a run. Um, when I'm looking at the standings. Um, the teams, and, and I'm going to give you a group of teams. Um, I don't see many teams imploding um, just simply because I think Kansas City is peaking or is going to peak. Um, I think Baltimore right now is probably the best team in the AFC overall. Um, I pray to God the Dolphins don't implode. Um, I think the Jaguars division is just too easy for them to full-blown implode. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the team's in the range of the Bills, Texans, and Chargers replace the Steelers and Browns, um, I, I look for a team. Um, I, I wouldn't be super shocked if the Jets made the playoffs just because of how good their defense is. Um, I think I'd be most shocked if Houston made the playoffs. Um, but the team that I think, I mean, could make a little bit of a run here is, is the chargers. Um, I think that when I look at NFL success, you always have to look at what they're doing at the quarterback position. Um, I like Herbert. I don't think, I don't think he's better than Tua and I don't think he's a a top four or five quarterback in the NFL, but he's good. Um, I picked them to beat the lions this week. I think they beat the Packers next week. I don't think they beat the Ravens and then they go Patriots, Broncos, Raiders, which they should sweep. They have the Bills, which I just said I think is a toss-up game. And then they play the Broncos again. Um, So I think you could be looking at the Chargers going into Week 17 uh, with a little bit of a backdoor shot to make the playoffs after the horrible start to the season. Um, So in the AFC, I look at the Chargers as a team that I think makes a run. In the NFC, um, I think the NFC is a little more cut and dry. Um, But if I had to pick a team on the outside... Um, I think the commanders are decently well coached, but their division is so tough and they're probably going to lose three more games in it. Um, the Falcons are a team that have a relatively easy schedule. I just don't think Arthur Smith is, is using those offensive weapons well enough. Um, so I think, like I said, the NFC is more cut and dry. 
um, but wouldn't be terribly surprised. Uh, the Buccaneers always find ways to fight around games, so I could see them uh, coming back and fighting for those spots at the end. Um, the teams that implode, um, I wouldn't be overly surprised um, to see the Saints implode. Um, I trust, I think, the Bucks and the Falcons a little more than the Saints for some reason. Um, so I'll say the Saints implode in the NFC, and my AFC team is going to be the Steelers. I don't think they're talented enough. Um, I think the teams a little bit behind them are a lot more talented than them. The Steelers have a very, very easy schedule, um, but I could see them losing at the Browns, at the Bengals, at the Colts, against the Bengals, at the Seahawks, and at the Ravens. Those at at Colts versus Bengals, at Seahawks, at Ravens to finish the year um, is very difficult for me if I'm Pittsburgh. I don't think the offense they have the offensive power fire, um, so I'm going to pick the Steelers to miss the playoffs. Um, I know that was jumbled, but in the AFC, the Steelers miss, the Chargers make, um, and in the, in the NFC, um, I guess the Saints miss and the Buccaneers make. Yeah, the Steelers are my pick on the AFC uh, too. Uh, definitely anybody who goes on is a YouTube and film junkie like you and I are. Brett Coleman just did a video last week on the Steelers offense, uh, breaking down why it's been so bad. Definitely worth a watch for for everybody. So, and something for you to key in on now, Jordan, he points out the Steelers do not attack the middle of the field at all. Everything's to the outside. They don't run motion. They don't run rub routes. Their offense is literally receivers beat the corners and hope and hope Kenny Pickett can make the perfect throw. It is not a recipe for success. They have a great defense, but the offense just isn't there. And at what point do we start acknowledging that Najee Harris is a bust? I don't know if he's a bust. I don't think he's Trent Richardson. I think he's better than Trent Richardson, but I definitely don't think he's great. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, my pick for a team to implode in the NFC, it's a little shocking, but I'm going with America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, you would think, looking at their schedule, coming up, they got the Giants. Now, if they lose to DeVito as a starting quarterback, I'd fire everybody on the spot. But you have the Panthers, the Commanders, and the Seahawks. They could easily be 4-0. But then you remember, the only team that the Arizona Cardinals have beaten is the Dallas Cowboys. So you'd think they'd be they could be undefeated, but you don't know for sure. And the Seahawks, and none of the games outside maybe the Giants are easy either. Then they have the Eagles, the Bills, our Dolphins, the Lions, and the Commanders. Knowing that schedule, Jordan, what ga- how many games of those do you think Mike McCarthy is the better coach? Not many, if any. Yeah. They are relying, again, talk about archaic systems. Big complaint of McCarthy in in, uh, Green Bay was he had an outdated system. You see it now. They are too reliant on C.D. Lamb. They don't really move him around. The one game they did move him around, the Rams game, he had a great game. But Tony Pollard also just, they expected him to step up with releasing Zeke. Hasn't happened. 
I just think that they're going to lose the games that you think they're going to lose. They're going to lose and they're going to lose at least one, maybe two games that everybody thinks they're going to win. And I just don't think Mike McCarthy is that good of a coach. And when a game's close, I tend to go with the team with the better coach in the NFL over talent. Um, in terms of teams to make a run, it's difficult in the NFC because I think they're pretty cut and dry. I agree. Um, y- yes, the NFC, it's a little... I guess the question becomes, who do you think is the last wild card? Because Eagles are a lock. Niners, I think, are a lock. Seahawks, I think, are a lock. Detroit's a lock. I guess the Saints are the best team in their division. So six. So what, there's two more wild card spots? So you're looking at... No. So I guess it would be like the Vikings are probably that last team, wouldn't you say? Or is there? I think that's it. I think I yeah. think that I think the NFC is pretty what it is. Yeah, the NFC you can kind of guess. Uh, I do not agree with Mister S, who just said the Packers will make a run. I don't trust Jordan Love, so I am not going to give the Packers any credit there. I don't see any reason to. In the AFC, the team to make the run, I'm picking the Texans. Here's their schedule. Bengals, which I think are going to lose. Cardinals. The Wait. Jaguars The Jaguars at home, they already beat the Jaguars away. So I think they can beat them at home. The Broncos. The Jets. Tough game, but Jets don't have the, off- the offensive firepower to keep up with Houston. They play the Titans twice still. And the Titans game, you have... Cleveland between them, which will be tough. And then they finish the season with the Colts. I realistically, I see a very realistic possibility that the Texans only lost the second half of the year is the Bengals. Wow. I think it's possible, especially with how CJ Stroud's playing. Defense still has some questions, but NFL, especially for these young teams, it's all about momentum. And that's about as easy of a schedule, at least right now, as you can get. Yeah, that's a good call. I, I, it's hard to believe, but I, that'd be a great story if the Texans made a run here. Oh, absolutely. And then, of course, you're going to see their coaching staff get poached because it's a good young coaching staff. And took them a while, took them a couple tries, but they do have some talent on that team. Still just got to build up some the uh, front seven a bit. But they got a lot going on for them there. Um, do want to tease before we go into the list. I know we're not talking about the Dolphins much this episode, but uh, just to let everybody know, Monday we are going to do a mid-season review as well as a mock draft. Uh, Jordan, I believe you're – I'm guessing you're more excited for the mock draft than you are the mid-season awards, aren't you? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think we're starting to see more – um, we can probably pull up our picks from the last, from at least the top five to look at, because I think, I don't think there's going to be many changes, but I think we're going to see, I think we got a clearer picture on who's going where, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I think that um, the top five, you're going to get one or two quarterbacks off the board. I mean, you're probably going to get a couple offensive linemen off the board, and then Marvin Harrison's going to go. Yeah, pretty easy. and. Um, Hate to be a little anticlimactic, but it's time. 
to uh, put someone on the list. Jordan, would you explain to everybody by why everybody's favorite podcaster from NBC, not Mike Florio, but his partner Chris Sims is going on the list? Um, I'll let you take the reins because I know you love to uh, hate on Chris Sims. And I don't know really 100% what Chris Sims said now. Um, but I do I do know that Dolphins Twitter um, and Dolphins social media and Dolphins fandom um, has had um, some issues. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you go into it. Um, I do know I'm getting word here um, that he said that I guess Tua uh, didn't have the arm strength to make the third and 10 throw, um, which if that's what he said, that's a little silly. Um, and he deserves all the hate you're going to give him. Um, but Brett, I'll kick it back to you. I'll let you crush Chris Sims. Uh, I think that this is long overdue. Um, yep. I think that uh, people behind the scenes have been pushing us to put him on the list for uh, close to since episode one. Um, so I think it's it's overdue that you're about to do this right now. Yep. Chris Sims has basically made his career since Tua became draft eligible, bashing Tua. Um, and it is exactly what you said. He said that we missed the third and 10 play because Tua did not have the arm strength for that pass, which uh, whether you want to say Tua's at fault for that pass, which everybody involved has said was a miscommunication, is, uh, pardon my French, but it's complete horseshit to blame that miss on arm strength because, one, we have seen Tua make bigger throws. We have seen him make longer throws. But Chris Sims is also the guy who had Tua ranked in his quarterback rankings a couple years ago behind Taysom Hill, behind Zach Wilson before he ever took a snap, behind Teddy Bridgewater when we signed Teddy Bridgewater. Jordan, why would I take the quarterback opinion of someone whose own fan base in college wanted him benched for major apple white yeah it doesn't make very much sense to me bud yeah so chris sims and as long as he's been analyst i've only ever heard him have one good take and it was not involving offense it was that jeff akuda was not the number one cornerback in his draft class and that it was in fact david terrell that is the one take he actually got shit for, and he ended up being right on. So what does it say that someone who played quarterback at a high level doesn't know anything about quarterbacking? Chris Sims is a blowhard who, much like Theo Ash, only has a career right now, I'm convinced, because he tries to trigger Dolphin fans. So this is the last time we will be giving Chris Sims attention, because that is what he wants. So, Chris Sims, here is your couple moments of hate that you want. Go back to watching those highlights of Major Applewhite taking over for you. Because right now, you just made the list. Well-deserved. If you And if you could believe it or not, I was waiting for the ma- to make a Major Applewhite uh, reference on this show. Just had to find the right reason. Yeah, how long have you had that one cooking, Brett? It's been a couple. It's been a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, but uh, yeah, it's about time for us to sign off that week. We gave the preview for uh, next week's shows. Jordan, I know you have some stuff cooking for list uh, listpodcast dot com. Want to give a little teaser for those before we sign off? 
Uh, yeah, over the next couple of days, I'd say probably by the end of the business week, um, there will be a, a blog up um, taking some of the, the hot seat jobs um, that are out there and kind of the coaches that are on the hot seat um, and try to find better pairings for those jobs and the people that are currently in place. Um, as always, those things can be found on listpodcast.com. I know we're going to update the uh, mock draft. Um, I know that we're going to do a lot of things um, from an updating perspective this weekend going into next week. Um, and I don't know how we're going to get through um, a whole nother show without really talking Dolphins football, um, but we're going to do our best. Um, this is kind of a little bit of a, I guess, a preview of how the off season is going to be for us. Um, kind of really got to hope we win the Super Bowl or else I'm going to be <laughs> pretty sad come off season time. Um, but there are a lot of great things cooking. Um, please check out listpodcast.com. Um, please follow us on Twitter at the, the list fins pod. Um, if you don't do, if you do, thank you. Um, and let's continue building the brand. Absolutely. And of course I do want to shout out November is men's mental health month. So for all the guys out there, make sure you are taking care of yourself this month. Remember we all go through this. It is okay to not be okay once in a while. So make sure you are taking time to yourself and taking Brett, time. I don't think, I don't, I, I don't think that's what no, not November is. Funny, funny and fair. Do not follow that either for mental health reasons as well. <laughs> but for Zach and Jordan and Mr. S from behind this curtain, because he keeps giving us stuff to say, I'm Brett. We are the list. And we are watching Zach hit that music. Sure.